In the last week or so, I've been thinking about my message and um, been trying to make all of these thoughts fit into the book of Jonah. And uh, I, I called Neil on Friday. He's doing the bookends of this series. And we both decided it, it, it wasn't working. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting all kinds of boat and ship images, but they're, they don't really fit with the second and third chapter of Jonah. So rather than causing a lot of confusion by twisting analogies around sideways, I'm just going to actually share what was on my heart. How's that? And uh, the primary thing that I want to reference with you today is reflections on the meeting of our Antioch International Leaders had in Amsterdam. Two weeks ago, we had a couple hundred folks. There were there are 30 churches in the United States, pastors and wives, as well as the, all the international team leaders, about 60 different teams around the world, and uh, the core uh, movement leadership gathered in Amsterdam near the, the airport. And uh, Susan and I were there 31 years ago on our honeymoon, and it was nasty at that time, but uh, much cleaner, beautiful, made me want to go back, enjoy the city, and uh, so it was, it was fun being there with friends, but it was uh, more than kind of a, a reunion, which is somewhat of what that is. It was a time where we really feel felt the need to go deeper. And we're, we're a missionary movement. Before we planted any churches, we were sending out missionaries. This is the core of our identity, that, that this gospel we have is not just for us. It's for all peoples, all nations, all tribes, all languages. And so that's deeply motivating. But... Uh, before we go broad, before we, you know, no matter what the need is we see in the world, Jesus calls us first to himself. He calls us to depth of relationship. And uh, um, so I, I'm going to share related to that this morning. It's interesting that Jimmy Seibert, who's a leader of the movement, guy I've known since he was 19 years old, um, didn't attend the conference. He did something delightful. When his grandson, his first grandchild was born, he jettisoned all of his responsibilities and took off uh, to be with his, his daughter and his son-in-law and his grandson. Isn't that great? This meeting that's planned, it's the high point of the organizational system and everything. And I just said, great priorities. And there's plenty of leadership to carry the ball with that. But he did leave a, a, a video that I think he recorded on an iPhone. And uh, he played it for us the first morning. So uh, I just want to tell you one passage of Scripture that we felt like God was saying to us as a larger community. And that was Isaiah 60. Jimmy was saying that he'd been praying over time, and, and this has happened a number of times. I, uh, there's a man named Joe Ewan who's... Uh, lives in northern Scotland, is uh, very prophetic, and uh, it's happened several times, the, the impression that they both had completely lined up. And I'm just going to, I'm not going to share everything in that message, but I just want to highlight a couple of things that I think are important. 
Isaiah 60 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And the first point was, it's time to shine. Hide it under a bushel? No, I'm going to let it shine. In these times that we're living in, where fear is so prevalent, we are called to shine, to be out there. Next thing is, Behold, darkness will cover the earth, and deep darkness the peoples. But the Lord will rise on you, and His glory will appear on you. There was an awareness uh, with all these people internationally gathered together that the last 12 months have been really dark. And you feel this deep darkness that is emerging. And uh, comments were made, everywhere we go, we feel like there are people that are saying, we don't have a shepherd. We don't have the guidance of leadership that we want. And then the next part of that passage says, nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. In the midst of that vacuum, we feel a sense that God is releasing more authority to his church. And and that's not a step of, of arrogance, It's a step of humility saying, Lord, here we go. We believe that you're doing something. And in every juncture, everyone that I I prayed with at that meeting, it just felt like God was bringing increase to each one of our uh, congregations. And growth was happening in unparalleled ways and so many things going on. I feel that way about us here. You know, we're in the middle of summer, and so this is not our, our highest energy times. Most of the students are gone. A lot of people are on vacation. This is probably, August is the time where you're least likely to have good attendance at whatever meeting you're trying to do related to the life of our community. But there are a number of things happening. Uh, let me see. Phil, how many applications have we had for training school? 18 applications for training school is all. I mean, that's uh, double last, last year. Uh, people coming into the, the residency program that are stepping up in ministry. They're uh, with the leadership coming together over the last few months, we, we just feel like there is a new release of life. And, uh, but what do we do? So it's, I'm, I'm not, I really, I'm not trying to say those things to do anything, not to hype, but just to say, God is at work, so how are we supposed to respond to that? And my word is, it's time to go deep. We have to prepare our lives to receive from the Lord first. Not receiving, not, you know, what are, what's going to increase outside externally, but what's going to increase in us, in God's character, in His presence, in His life, and in in really the substance of who Jesus is in our souls. The end of, of that week, Thursday night, we went to, to Zyderkirk, which is... Uh, a church that was built in 1646, the oldest Protestant church in Amsterdam. 
Anybody ever been to Zydekirk? All right. Everybody that went this summer on outreach was there. And we ended with having all of our leadership teams. We went to, to this place, which is a historic place spiritually in the city and in the region. And uh, a guy named Robert Herber, who's one of our overseers, stood up to talk. And you know, I, I, uh, I was a little anxious at that moment because I did not want to hear a rah-rah message. Typically, you know, the end of a meeting, it's like, now we're going to charge the mountain. And I, I have a couple of different feelings when I come to these type of conferences. One of them is insecurity. Now, this is a little secret for those of you who have uh, not been to pastor's conferences, but a lot of little boys and girls at these meetings are trying to feel important. And so they compare themselves to each other. And like, who's bigger and who's more anointed and how's all this work? And I just absolutely despise that. I want to crawl under something during those times. I feel my own need for value being exposed. Another thing that happens is the Holy Spirit starts working more deeply in my life. My cans are getting opened with all this negative stuff, and then God is pouring into my life, and it's like the thumbscrews are on with the Holy Spirit. If I'm going I'm to do something inside of you. So when we get to Thursday night, I'm feeling more vulnerable. I'm not feeling like, yeah, we're awesome. And, uh, and, so, and, I'm, and I'm also thinking and praying for all these people, like, we don't need to pump our flesh. We don't need to pump up our identity and say, we're something, we're important, we're going to be great. And so I'm kind of wincing a little bit as Robert gets up, but he's a precious, precious brother, and he, he did the right thing. He just went weak and humble. And he spent the first part of his message telling us everything that has gone wrong in his life in the last year. His church has decreased in membership numbers. Key leaders have left. He has wanted to leave the ministry. He, uh, so he's just pouring all this stuff out in, in front of all the people he's, you know, should be trying to impress. And you know what's happening? Humility is being released into the room. People are, are beginning to open up even more. There was life that was already flowing there. I'd actually made some progress in my insecurity by that time. And uh, he said, he told a story about a place in his life where, you know, all of these things are just going wrong. And he said, I realized I was coming up on my 40th birthday. And all the things that I had told myself when I was a little boy that I would accomplish hadn't happened. And he had a memory of him being, as a five-year-old, looking up in his grandfather's house of all of these newspaper clippings. And his grandfather, I knew, uh, he's passed away, but he was mayor of the city. He had the largest car dealership, multimillionaire, streets named after him in town. And so he, little Robert looked at five years old and said, I am supposed to be really successful. 
And he has been successful in many ways, but, but something in him was just going, I didn't make it. Turning 40, these, you know, my life is not what I thought it should be. And all of that swirling around, the Holy Spirit is cranking down on him and saying, the church is not who you are. This is not where your value is coming from. And uh, a guy named Floyd McClung came to town and started talking to him. And, and he's pouring out you know, all his pain. And Floyd is uh, uh, a whole very complicated story. He's, he's since had some real serious physical problems. But at that point in time, Floyd just said, Robert, Floyd's about 70, Robert, you need to know the Father heart of God. Floyd's written the book, The Father Heart of God. Spoken on it so many times. It's a core part of who we are in our community. We talk about this on a regular basis. We believe that, that it's, it's our foundation, God's unconditional love. He's good. We sang that this morning. And first, in, in James chapter 1, every good gift, every uh, perfect thing comes down from the Father of lights with whom there's no change or shadow of turning. And no matter what's happening in our world and our lives, his character is consistent. And his character for you and his will for you is good. So Robert's telling this story, and he goes through a process and, and basically just invites us all into a ministry time again. And here we are. We're going back to spiritual kindergarten one more time, men and women. And so he says, open up your hands. And uh, I want to pray for you. He prayed for us. God worked in a number of ways. And then he said, some of you, that prayer didn't work. That didn't stick. Something, you did not, nothing happened that time. I want you to stand up right now. And I stood up. So, at that moment... I really felt like a lot of things were peaking in my life. Just a little over a week ago. And a group of men that I'd known for 20 or so years, about four or five men gathered around me and started praying for me. And this is happening, you know, there's little clumps around. And immediately the Holy Spirit started bringing memories to my life. And anger started coming up inside of me, really strong. And uh, with anger in my life, at different places, there's, there's been depression. Here's the equation I learned a long time ago. Hurt plus anger times self-pity equals depression. And so when I, am, when I feel some, a place in my life swirling down, I'm, I start checking those things out. Usually there's a hurt, there's an anger in me, and then I'm like, why did I get treated this way? Why isn't there another option for me? Where's the door out of this situation? And all those emotions are coming up in me without any information, and then the memories start coming in my life. And I want to share one of those memories with you just to explain what God was doing in my heart at that moment. 
job. I needed the Father heart of God in a deeper way. In 1999, I was coming up on 20 years of, of college ministry. And I'd been uh, working at one, this one major university. I'm leaving a, a few names out here to protect the innocent. And um, I had been there about six years, and it had been hard hoeing. It took us a while to get some momentum. I'd come from a very successful ministry, a lot of things that started in, the, in the, our movement as a whole, and now I'm at the big state school that was a uh, uh, completely different environment. But six years in, we've got about 200 students gathering on Friday night. I had eight different uh, full-time support-raised college ministry staff. We're kicking into gear. And in my mind at that point in time, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, all right, uh, what are we doing? What's the next step in my life? I, I thought uh, of several different plans. If you can, some of you know me, can imagine this. Um, one was... It had been on my heart to start a regional campus ministry. So I'd been doing this for a long time. I understood the local church. I understood campus ministry. So I was going to move outside of our network as well as raising up some other people and, and build this structure. Another, another idea in the city we were in was starting a, a larger mission uh, agency. I was thinking about church planting also at that time. So I'm, I'm planning my next step of success. Hit this place, catching gears. I've done this a couple of times. I know what I'm doing. But right about that same time in October, we had our, our annual leadership meeting in the church. And uh, this prophetic guy from Phoenix comes to town. And uh, gracious man, it's a very mature group of people together. And he says, I believe it's time now for your pastor to start another church. That was a beautiful thing in many ways, but it absolutely sank my battleship. Because what happened was 300 of the 800 people in our church moved. All of my college staff became the staff for the new church. So everything that I'd built just kind of went like in two different directions. And I was mad. Change had been forced upon my life that was sending me back. Felt like six years in time. And uh, uh, now it was the right thing. This was the will of God. I even went with the new congregation. And I believe that in the vision, and, and I believe that we needed to multiply and that God was going to do some good things, but I, I knew how it was going to affect me personally, that I was going to go back to starting small groups at the university and reaching freshmen. And I didn't want to do that at 40 years of age. I wanted to lead leaders who led leaders and do all these other things. And so... As we start stepping into this, I'm, every day I'm waking up and I'm angry. 
and I'm mad at my friend, and I'm mad at God because I couldn't change it, and it was his will, you know, and he's good, but I'm not happy. Have you ever been in a place in your life where you knew what the will of God was and you did not want to do it? And I'm not talking about being in a place where you say, oh, I really want to hear God, but I'm, I don't want to miss it. No, I'm saying, you know. And this is where I do line up with Jonah. This is the will of God. I'm confident about that. But I cannot see how this works out well for me personally. I don't know what I'm going to... In fact, it looks like I'm going to get the short end of this stick and get sent back to go and not collect $200. And I felt betrayed. I felt like all of my momentum and ministry dreams were thrown out the window and everything went to starting this new thing again. Now, into that story is that the momentum of that in my life squirted our family to Indonesia, which became the most fruitful season of our life and, and a, a core part of our identity, my children's life, and led us on an amazing adventure. But the beginning of that transition, I felt like I was on the rotisserie with forks being stuck in me. So this is the memory I'm having with all this pain and anger emerging in my life. And one of the people that's praying for me at that moment is that brother who started the church. And I thought it was somebody else. I know that voice, you know, I'm keeping my eyes closed. And I look up and I went, oh my gosh. And I just wrap my arm around his arm. And just lean back. And we know each other pretty well. He's seen me angry before. I've, we've had this conversation very thoroughly. So, sitting there and he's praying for me and I'm, these other guys are praying for me. And the picture, the next picture that comes into my mind is a very spiritual picture. It's Lieutenant Dan on top of the boat in the hurricane. Forrest Gump. Anybody know that picture in here? Okay. So Lieutenant Dan's lost his legs, he's mad at everybody, he's an alcoholic now, he's with Forrest Gump on the shrimp boat, the hurricanes come through. I love this line. Lieutenant Dan says, Forrest, where is this God of yours? And Forrest says, it's funny that Lieutenant Dan said that, because right then, God showed up. <laughs> and... I see myself on the top of the mast going, why did you do this to me? Do you just want to take everything from me? Just kill me now. Send me down. That's what's happening inside of me in that moment. And I'm, all, I'm identifying with the anger that's happening in his life. Now, let me give you a little bit of instruction in the middle of this. I'm not leading you off a, the edge and it's just going to be a black abyss at the end of this message. 
I'm pretty analytical. I have to work hard to not be there. But I think also there's places where God gives me understanding. And I believe in that moment, what the Holy Spirit is wanting to do is bring me to emotional integration. He's wanting me not just to know that God is good when things are good. He's wanting me to hold on and be in the middle of every experience in my life, and he's there with me. And sometimes, as a parent, I know that my kids just need to be mad and know that I can take it. That I don't have to shut them up, and they don't have to say it right every time they have a conversation with me. They can say it wrong. And there's, there's, hopefully I'm growing with the unconditional heart of Father God. And they can get it all out. And I'm just there. I didn't go away. And then they didn't get retribution from expressing all of their emotions. And I want to tell you, God can handle your anger. He can handle your frustration when things are not going well. He can deal with your hearts. In fact, he's the only one who can. Some of the places in your life where you're feeling blocked and you feel like, why is this happening to me? Sometimes it's, it's and, and certainly in that moment in my life, I felt like I could tell you five or six different experiences of that level of intensity that I've been through. And it just felt like piling on. Ah! But also what's happening is, is an unresolved pain is fueling my flesh, saying the wrong thing, having, uh, you know, just whatever garbage is in my heart has come because of undealt with hurt, self-pity, and anger. And that's where we have to come back again to the Father heart of God. Be little boys and girls. And just say, you know, at that moment it wasn't a calm response. It was me pouring out intense emotion and I didn't care what I said or how I said it. Now I'm actually, if you could see the situation, I'm just speaking under my breath, okay? I'm not jumping up and down and screaming and running in circles. I've got a few respected brothers standing around me, but I'm going like this. And I'm pushing back theology. I'm pushing back all the answers. Yes, Mark, that's true, but, you know, God's character. And, oh, you know, you can't say that because, you know, you've, you taught this subject about five times last year. And I'm... I'm just going, here's where I am. This is, this is where I'm at. And I'm letting, in the safest place I could possibly do that, the presence of God with trusted friends. Not alone. And what, the Holy, what the enemy wants to do is tell you, no one understands, you need to run and as far away from community as you possibly can in order to deal with your pain. And he knows that that's a place you're most likely to just 
keep in a cycle of wounding and not get healing. But as, if we're a real community, we have to learn how to bring our garbage up to the next level and just be honest with ourselves, with God and with others. This is what's going on in my life. I was talking with someone recently, and they were talking about some of the deeper issues in our culture and how hard it is to reach certain people because of the shame in their life as they face their sin. And he said, the only way for us to reach these different communities is if we are communities of honesty and vulnerability. If we're not living at that level of depth, people that are vulnerable don't want to be here. They don't want to talk shallow, shallow conversations about their life or be the embarrassing person in the room. They need a level of honesty and vulnerability. So it's an interesting thing happened. And I think I asked Susan this a few days ago. I said, honey, I think, I think I've had a breakthrough in my anger. I think, I think in that time something came out and went away. And uh, I'm a little reticent to say things like that because I've lived with some of these things for a long time. And I've learned, you know, Life isn't always fair. You don't get everything you want. You don't feel happy all the time. You're faithful. You do the right thing. Okay? And what I do, how I act, affects a lot of people's lives. So I, I don't mess around. You know, I'm, I'm not playing with my flesh and just taking different chances. And no, this is, this is serious. I fear the Lord. But in that process, also, I have just learned how to be tough. And there's places in my heart that have grown callous. And and I've told Jesus many times, hey, death works in me so that life can be worked in others. It's about heaven. People suffer in many different ways in this world, in this life, for the kingdom. I, I don't have to feel right. I don't have to have the best experience. But Jesus loves me. My Father loves me. And He cares about me. And it's important, I think, especially for a guy like me that does church as a business. (laughs) This is what I get paid to do. To know that I'm not just another cog in the wheel of a system. I'm not here just to make the thing work. But Jesus loves me. And he, he understands every hard place that I've been through in my life. Am I talking to anybody in this room? I want the worship team to come up here right now. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to the Lord. Again, Jesus wants to work in you first. 
going deep before we go wide. We want honesty and vulnerability, not a good reputation. By that, I, we want an honorable reputation, but we're not trying to get this reputation. That's the cool place. That's the hot church. We're, we are wanting to be throwing that out the window and saying, we want Jesus. We want his life in us. Where we're going to start right now, I'm praying that it grows and multiplies over the course, specifically of this month. I've had a couple of people tell me, we feel like a wave is coming. I feel like there's, the water level is rising. Some significant things are going to be happening in, in this community, in the churches we're connected to, the river and the harbor. Jesus is letting our light shine. Darkness is coming too. It's not like all our problems are going away. But he's, he's going to fill us. He's going to touch us internally so that you're not a cog in the wheel. You're not just somebody serving a system in an organization, but you're a person well-connected to others that is able to be honest and vulnerable about what's happening in your life and able to see that life flow out to people that desperately need Jesus, that really need to know his love and don't need to pretend, kind of go through motions in the life of the church that just say, hey, this is where I'm at. It's not a good day, but God is good. Stand up with me right now. So the Holy Spirit is on you right now. Close your eyes if you can. If you feel like it's a, you know, I don't want to force you into anything. You, but uh, sometimes in closing our eyes, it'll, it frees us up from everything else that's going on in the room. People you're comparing yourself to people you're impressed with or the people you're not impressed with. Just shutting them out right now. I want you to put your hands out there in front of you or assume a, a receiving posture. And I want to invite the Holy Spirit to start working in your lives. He's never stopped. He's never left you. But there are times when he accelerates process of his work inside of you. So Holy Spirit, come. Just come in this room right now. Bring to mind the blockages. Bring to mind the lies. Bring to mind the things that keep my friends from knowing you are a loving God.